dark side. Light this bitch up. What is up, everybody? My name is James DeFiori, and this is Blackballed. Well, it's been one month. I haven't done an episode of Blackballed in one month. The last episode I did was with the writer of The Simpsons, Michael Price. I've been away. I've been on hiatus, um, taking care of myself or trying to uh, after a little bit of a slip, but I'm back now. And what I thought would be fitting would be to talk to somebody who is confirming my lack of belief in all things political, all things political. Right now, we have a a, a country that seems to be kind of in crisis. We have a federal government who can't tell us anything because of security reasons. We have a a leader of the opposition who can't... um, who's refusing to look at classified information so that he can maintain his uh, 100% opposition to the current government and Justin Trudeau. And we also have an interesting um, political situation when it comes to the provinces. And we'll get to that in a minute, but I thought a fitting guest for my return would be the return of the one and only, the political dark arts world champion. And his name is David Wallace. David, what's up, buddy? How you doing, James? Uh, not much. Just been watching uh, watching things burn, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I, I wanted to have you on. Thank you for coming, by the way. Um, first of all, how are you doing? How's everything going? Uh, well, you know, it's uh, day by day, day by day. That's it? You're so secretive, even now. You're in the shadows, even. By the way, I was telling David off air... This is my favorite David Wallace haircut. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not. That was a little bit of a Red Bull going down the wrong tube. Red Bull, if you're out there, I drink enough of your shit to fucking light a horse on fire. So maybe we can talk about a sponsorship deal. But um, I'm not distracted by the quaff. I get too distracted when you have the quaff. I, I can't do it. All the ladies in the chat are always talking about the hair. I like this, David. This, this, You look like a political dark arts guy, right? This is. You look undercover. Like you look oh. like you look like we're doing a reboot of Point Break when I see you with your hair all coiffed like that. So I'm glad to see the political dark arts champion, world champion. Like surf. That's right. Um, I would like to start things off because I have been out of the loop, um, you could say, and I have not really been following the news, to be honest with you, for the last, I'd say, two weeks. And one of the things that I, I first wanted to talk to you about is this man, uh, for those who are not uh, watching and who are listening, um, I have placed a file photo of Pierre Polyev on the screen uh, in the form of Milhouse from The Simpsons because you that know, joke- I could have swore that was a, a young Gerald Chapur. Yeah, yeah, you never, you never know. Don't start with that because we, we, we're no, gonna talk- I, I just just the resemblance is uncanny. Well, we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna touch on that a little bit when we. What was that talk- movie, America World Police? It's uncanny. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're gonna touch on on that a little bit, be, uh, the Gerald Shapur stuff, because uh, of uh, something we're gonna uh, cover a little bit later with Justin Ling, everyone's favorite about face, contradicting, self contradicting journalist in Canada. Um, I'm not a big fan of Justin Ling. He's not a big fan of mine. So I guess uh, I guess we're good like that. Um, but when I talked to you earlier today. We were talking about Pierre Polyev, and we were talking about how his uh, his current um, attack on the CBC. Um, can you fill us in on on what happened? Um, because I, I I have it, but uh, I I haven't been paying attention, and I know that you have. So so give me give me an idea of what Pierre Polyev said, and then why it you you think it's so detrimental to him. Well, it all started on Twitter when uh, uh, Jelly Boy there. Uh... Elon declared, uh, started stamping labels on, on news organizations such as the CBC, that it was a, a, a state-run propaganda mouth, uh, mouthpiece for the government. Um, of course, uh, 
Pierre jumped right on that and uh, started licking the boots of Musk because, uh, you know, God, I, I can I can hitch my wagon and, and uh, get noticed more. So he started uh, polishing Elon's uh, apple and uh, then they went through a little tete-a-tete with uh, some toilet humor uh, when he reduced it to 69% ownership, whatever, just... Uh, uh, Pierre has been parroting a line against the CBC. It's state funded. Well, no shit. Of course, it's state funded, uh, not in whole. And um, so are you, for one thing, uh, Pierre. Um, I don't want to get into a ba- debate about the CBC, but they have shown remarkable restraint with you. And we'll get into that a little bit later on in the program. But uh, that's uh, essentially what happened, uh, Pierre. Once again, jumping on the uh, bandwagon and, and uh, riding on Elon's, uh, Elon's sack. Yeah. I don't think that that's going to damage him. I, I, I've always thought about, I, I've, thought, I've been thinking about this a lot since I talked to you because I know that you know your shit. And, and I understand. And by the way, we're going to talk about all of the things that you were right about. And then six, eight, ten months later, the mainstream media has to catch up um, to you, um, which is really interesting because they never give you any credit for it. But the the idea that um, that you can spread disinformation about something like the CBC um, or something like Justin Trudeau, <clears throat> excuse me, or or the Liberal Party in general is is a little bit rich only because th- they don't care if the information is false. The people that follow Pierre Polyev don't give a shit that he doesn't understand the way government funding works and how um, the CBC is is mandated under the Canadian Broadcasting Act. Now, I will say, though, that if, if you were new to this country and you were to watch the CBC, you would probably think that it has a, a slant against the conservatives and a slant for the liberals. I don't know how to explain that. I, I, I think that journalists themselves are often left-leaning people, so maybe the way they deliver the news, certainly uh, people like Rosemary Barton does seem like she's in the tank a lot of the times for the liberals. I, I understand... Um, I understand the feeling that that conservatives have for it, but I don't know if this is going to damage Pierre Polyev. I, I, I think that anytime it's a winning card for his side, no matter what trash, the CBC, is it true? I don't care. I'm, I'm trashing the CBC. So I think you and I disagree on that, but really at the end of the day, it's, it's not really going to matter much. And if him and Elon Musk are on the same page, that just speeds the same people anyways. Right? Absolutely. But I think you're approaching this, uh, um, from the wrong angle. I mean, the people who are going to vote for Pierre don't don't give a shit about this. It doesn't matter. But that's not the problem. The problem for Pierre is he needs a cross section of Canadians to win general election. And the people who are on the fence about him and remain on the fence, they're about to have a lot more uh, gristle to chew on. Because when you attack journalism uh, or when you attack the CBC, um, now you've got a lot of vindictive professional journalists who haven't been able to be journalists uh, in a long time. Now they can use those skills because the CBC itself will have the uh, lawyers uh, give them the high sign. That's the angle Pierre needs to be concerned about because any skeleton uh, uh, rattling around in that guy's graveyard, um, I I got a feeling they're all going to pop out and real soon. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit, although it's not the same situation, uh, when Rob Ford froze out the Toronto Star and that ultimately became his downfall. Because because reporters at the Toronto Star were like, oh, you're going to freeze us out? All right, then we're going to just dig and dig and dig until we get to Shanghai and we're going to throw all that shit out of the hole and we're going to like basically, you know, reveal that you're a crack addict and that you don't belong. They paid for it. Who do you think paid for it? The people that, that 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 write the news, sometimes the people who write their checks, well, in those corporations, they pay for people like me to take care of problems like that. That wasn't my piece of business, but I'm telling you, the word on the street was that was paid for. Which was what was paid for? Rob Ford. Oh well, I mean, the, the, I know the crack video was paid for, but I mean, the 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 rest I'm of. I'm not the- talking that. I'm talking about the decision to to get rid of him. Oh. Well, um, paid for or not, uh, you know, he, he, he dug his own grave. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to, you know, um, you, that's not wordplay. Uh, but, but, you know, when, politically, he dug his own grave because when you freeze out a media group, 
they just want to dig more. And so now with the CBC um, sort of being under fire uh, and propped up by Elon Musk and sort of blasted into the heavens by Elon Musk, the CBC now is going to feel defensive and they're just going to probably dig more. What do you make of the stuff that's coming out about Pierre Polyev? Well, I think that the facade uh, facade has has begun to crumble. Um, He's falling apart. Um, He's lost the momentum that he had. Um, It's just a feeling on the street. I I really don't expect him to make it to the election. Really? You think that he's going to, there's going to be a a vote? What what do you call that when it's the opposition? Is it still a vote of no confidence or do they just have a new leadership uh, race? Like how how is it? Well, basically, I mean, if it's, uh, you have enough people who don't want you to be the leader of the party anymore, you can find any particular way to get it done. I'm not exactly uh, 100% boned up on all the, legal mechanisms, but if they don't want you no more, they're going to find a way to get, get rid of you. You should ask Patrick Brown about that. Yeah. I'm just going to look up now what the, uh, so the last thing I have, this is from February, so it's, it's a month old, but, um, you know, according to the national post, and you can take that with a grain of salt, uh, the, you know, he's, he's doing really well in the polls. Uh, conservatives are starting to gain enough ground that an electoral win, even a majority seems within reach. I don't know how relative that is nowadays. Um, this was that was two months ago, and a lot has happened since then. Um, I want to let's shift our attention a little bit, though. I, I want to talk about um, one of the things that you're famous for, and that is to uh, to to make statements and to make claims that eventually um, the the mainstream media does attach itself to months later. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was uh, you know our good friend friend of the network, Justin Ling. This is what he wrote last year. He was talking about your appearance on uh, on Blackballed with uh, Nathan Jacobson. It was the one where you and Nathan were talking about uh, dealing with uh, people from the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church and how they were um, using ambiguous language um, to basically ask that you um, get rid of Justin Trudeau. Now, Nathan Jacobson, because he comes from a world where saying take someone out means something decidedly different than most of us when we are told to take someone out. I thought in hindsight that it was more about um, removing him from office than removing him from the face of the earth. But a lot of the claims that were made in that um, podcast ended up coming true. Justin Ling had this to say about the Klondike paper specifically after the broadcast on Dean's show and on my show. Nevertheless, in the days that followed, with the help of Blundell and fellow broadcaster James DeFiore, who broke down many of these claims on his website, Blackball Media, and others, a, me- a meta-narrative took shape. It goes like this. The Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, a front for foreign dark money, largely from Russia and the United States. I'm going to stop right there. Do we know that money comes to the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church comes from Russia, or was that something that he sort of just mashed in there as if that's that's him mashing it all together it's 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 utterly flippant irresponsible what passes for journalism that's right okay and they have been on the righteous quest to turn canada into an arch conservative health state that's actually true uh we uh, in the in the in the days and weeks coming i'm going to show um the sort of political chronology of the plymouth brethren christian church and how many political campaigns they've been involved with, how many social uh, conservative movements that they've been involved with via boiler room telemarketing uh, scams and, uh, and, and false petitions where they pretend to just be different people and they, they, everyone fills out like 100 petitions and sends it to politicians. They did that with the, uh, with the gay marriage thing in Canada. And they've had a record of doing this since like Bob Dole ran against Bill Clinton. Like this is something that they, they, they've just been doing. So Justin Ling, not surprisingly wrong about that as well. Knocking off politicians. Again, he, he is taking that whole uh, get rid of Trudeau thing a, a little too literally, I think who say oppose their plot to launder money through casinos. He, what he is doing is mashing together like four different stories and applying yep. it to, to the Plymouth Brethren Christian church, along with members of the intelligence service, who are, quote, completely compromised by the church. They helped take over the so-called Freedom Convoy. He's talking about the intelligence services now. In an attempt to overthrow the government and maybe kill Trudeau again with that trope. Now, really what he's what he said at the time, and he said it on, um, on another podcast, and he might have even said it on mine, where he was 
basically like making fun of us for saying that the convoy had um, allies within the RCMP yep. and Canadian intelligence services. Yep. And I don't know if anyone's been paying attention to the news, like say this, Public inquiry reveals broad support for far-right freedom convoy among Canadians, police, military, and intelligence services. This is something that you were saying last April, like a year ago. Fancy that. And what had, what did you learn during the uh, public inquiry? And, and what do you think um, the blowback might be now, uh, if any, for the Canadian intelligence services and the RCMP? The problem is... Um... Politically, with these um, bodies, especially CSIS, um, you're playing uh, you're playing a real Game of Thrones. It's it's that deadly. There is a dedicated cabal of intelligence and policing agents in our country who are dedicated 100% to work in the interests of a foreign nation. That's a fact. And it's eminently provable. And can, Canadians should ask themselves one thing. One thing. Everything that I said about this eventually surfaced. Yeah. Right down to the smallest crumb. Yet not one, one intelligence or policing service has so much as questioned me. Not one. I find that disconcerting. I find it disconcerting too, but they le everyone leaves you alone, right? Like, like you're, people, you know, in intelligence services, leaves you alone. The media certainly leaves you alone. Have you been contacted by any media recently, um, based on uh, on on any of this uh, hand dong stuff or, or or anything? Have you been contacted at all? Nope, not once, and that's that's a complete and utter clusterfuck. Um, but the problem is. When he's exonerated, and he will be, we'll throw the baby out with the bathwater and forget it ever happened. We should be asking who, who currently sitting in government or in government opposition are a direct source to the Chinese Communist Party, because there are. There are. That's just a fact. And you and, and I both and, know and, one and of those. And a few Russians, too. You and I both know one of those names, and we won't. We, I don't think. I don't think we're ready to to spell no, those beans yet. No, but this is complete and utter. And if it if it ever boomeranged back, you'd see conservative heads drop right up because that that that's a button they shouldn't have pushed. Yeah, it, it feels. I remember there's been a couple situations. Uh, one of them uh, was when the liberals went to India, and uh, what is his name? Atwal. Mm, I believe so. The, uh, there was a, a like a, a a terrorist financier that showed up at a liberal event in India, and I remember thinking at the time I was just like, you know, Harper was in government for ten years. There's a conservative government currently in India. It was the Modi government, right, mm -hmm. at the time. I don't see it as being that far fetched that someone like Stephen Harper or someone in his circle could just pick up the phone and be like, we're going to send this guy over to the liberals because it will be bad press for them. Yep. That type of shit happens all the time, doesn't it? All the time. And what do you think, um, what does it say about our democracy? Our democracy is, uh, uh, it's, been, it's been perverted, it's been subjugated. We, we need a new way of doing things because this isn't working. And, uh, we're all in the left versus right paradigm and it's got to stop. And we've got to realize that there's a shell game going on right now. And Canadians, all of us, we're all being suckers. Expand on that. It's, 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 it's not a liberal problem. Uh, it's not a conservative problem. It's a fundamental problem of institutionalized government. This is where your cracks appear. It's with the civil servants. It's with the infrastructure that doesn't change addresses every four to eight years. They're here always. Those are the people you compromise. You don't need to go after some pissant politician always. 
You need to go after the middle managers. You need to go after the infrastructure. Some clerk making 60K a year, who's got three kids and he's about to get a divorce. Those are your people. And trust me, it's not just guys like me who visited them. Mm. What did you think about um, Christy, uh, not Christy Freeland, um, Katie Telford's appearance um, this week um, in front of committee where she basically um, couldn't answer any of the questions. The, 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 the reason why I asked is because the more that I thought about it, if you, if you say that, uh, that Handong is not a compromised uh, liberal, why could you not answer any of these questions? That, 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 that's really what I was, um, I, I was struggling with that. You know, there, there like this. I, I felt for her. Uh, I really did, because that was a person who was bewildered. This looked like it hit her upside the head within, you know, the last 48 hours in terms of what she had to pull together. And Canadians need to know that right now that, that our intelligence service is not playing nice with our current government. Uh, we're talking about withholding of information, facts. We're talking about files that are that are being turned to the government uh, that that are being blotted out where regular access is is denied or missing there's a game going on right now a real game it's called treason treason and 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 so you think that there are people inside our intelligence services that are trying to what undermine the government or just remove this party from governing I think they're trying to undermine the government, to destabilize the government, because I think that, uh, well, when you are engaged in a war, whether that be uh, a kinetic war or a economic war, a psychological war, um, you, you, you sow the seeds of dissension from within in those very organs that exist to protect our sitting government, no matter which stripe it is, whether it be, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is that the power behind the conservative government, not real rank and file conservatives, these are conservatives. I'm talking about the power base currently behind the conservative, which is an internationally based organization. They have cut themselves a deal. They're helping foreign nations undermine the security and the sanctity of our federation. That's a fact. And that's the international defense of democracy. Is that what it's called? There's an organization that Harper is the, um, that Harper is the uh, Canadian international democracy, Canadian international democracy assistance. I I, I can't remember what it's called. I'm sorry. Maybe someone is the leader of a, uh, an organization, which he holds in much greater esteem and, and reverence than he ever did the office of the prime minister of Canada. I'm calling him straight now a traitor to this country. This former prime minister is a criminal who has performed treasonous actions against his fellow citizens. The IDU is is anything but democratic. It is international. It's a crime syndicate. That's right. It's the IDU. Um, and, and it's funny because... Really, they're just an organization that is out there and who meddles in other elections to try to get conservatives of like-minded um, philosophy, I guess you could say, uh, whose politics align. More than with- just that, we're talking about destabilizations of regimes and countries. Look at what Mr. Mr. Harper initiated in Colombia with the mining. My wife is Colombia. Colombia was decimated. We, we saw migrants, we, we, we saw natives murdered, murdered, simply because they had the audacity to, to strike for, oh, I don't know, livable conditions, food, running water. And the banks, the banks, huge Canadian banks that basically run the banking system there. Think of TD. Think of everything affiliated with mining. We've got old age oligarchs in the petrochemical industry who have spread their tentacles all over our country, all over the world for that matter, and are slowly strangling us to death. These are the same people who rail against science, who rail against uh, medicine, who rail against common sense and are against equity. These are the people for equity for them is they have all the money and we have nothing. These are the old fucks 
that are still running the game. It's funny because when you talk about that, for some reason, my, my mind went to um, the Biden administration and the stuff that's come out with that 21-year-old leaker um, down in the States, that, that 21-year-old, that child, because it's he really is a bullshit. child. He, but he really is a child. Like, sure like, he is. It's bullshit, though. He would never have had access to anything even remotely. He's levels and levels and levels removed. Well, then why did he... He's a patsy. How did he get the, how did he get the information? He's a patsy. I don't know the mechanism they use, but there's no way. There's but the no United way. States have a track record of giving clearance to people that probably shouldn't have clearance. Like, I mean, it, it, look, look, look. Um, With you the know, coffee boy, is he next? Well, I mean, Snowden is is probably my favorite government leaker. And that's because, you know, he was tech smart. He was um, considered to be almost like a genius, right? So he had access because he was helped developing the programs that would help domestic spying, right? And so he had access to the thing that he was actually working on. This 21-year-old airman who, um, who, who released it in, uh, in, in that, what's that private server company? Oh, it escapes me at the moment. But, yeah, uh, anyways, um, you know, it's like, it's like every user has their own server. So it's, yeah. not, uh, it, it's not something that you can... Uh, that you can necessarily hack or whatever, but he apparently had access to this information because of his duties as an airman when he's not actually in the field. And it's like, but, but anyways, the, the point is the, the, when you were talking about, um, you know, uh, things not being what they seem to be. And, and, and when uh, Harper's organization, the IDU meddles in, in other elections and, and, and disrupts regimes that exist in other countries, I kept thinking about Ukraine and the information that was leaked by that airman, whether he's a patsy or not, um, is, is telling us, and I know this isn't a popular thing to say, but they, they said that like, there's been like 50 special ops um, groups from something like five different countries. I think one from the Netherlands, like 41 special op operations from the United States alone that were in Ukraine before the war even started. This is a NATO war. It's just not on the books, right? And Russia has been accusing um, NATO of doing NATO countries of doing this since the war began. And it's unpopular to say, but Russia was right. They were essentially correct when they said that. So even when, and, and you could tell, I remember when, and this always happens when we're in the middle of something when we were in the middle of the pandemic, it was really unpopular. And that's, and it speaks to the paradigm that you were talking about earlier, the left, right paradigm, because it was really unpopular to, to criticize the measures that were being taken. You just could, there was a period of time where you just couldn't do it. And if you did it, you were a fucking a far right lunatic and it didn't matter. The Ukraine Russia war, very similar. You could not criticize Zelensky. You could not criticize NATO. Because if you did, you were like a Russian plant or they were accusing you of being a useful idiot. But as it turns out, when the fog lifts and, and, and enough time goes by and then a leak like this happens, I'm sorry, but like there are no good guys anymore, right? Like, There's a reason they call it the theater of war. Right. It is a theater. What does that, what does that say to, to, to people? Like, do people realize that they are in this paradigm and when they find out that something that they thought was you know um a bedrock truth turns out to be completely false and a complete lie why is it that people can't bring themselves to be like oh it turns out despite the fact that it was being championed by people on the very far right that it was true why do you think people have, a hard, have such a hard time getting to that place Oh, it's, it's, uh, well, people think it's a repudiation of their entire belief system to, to concede a point. And, and I don't, I, I think you need to judge things on a case by case and by merit basis. If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a fucking duck. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's Thank really you. not that difficult. Um, Paul Atkinson, just sorry, just to interrupt Paul Atkinson, uh, uh, filled me in i i forgot the name of the uh of the of the site that he was uh or the community or whatever you want to call it it was called it's called discord um and and despite um jen saying uh 21 year old leak top secret info on discord it's a little suspicious 
the information is actually not being um, challenged by the government. Like the government isn't really saying all of this stuff is not true. Oh, I have no doubt that the documents or the information is probably 100% legitimate. What I'm saying is the, uh, the delivery method to the public was, uh, is, uh, has about as much validity as uh, uh, WWF wrestling. So you think that there was a person that wanted to leak it, but instead leaked it through this 21-year-old kid? No, I think that certain elements within the intelligence services wanted that information out, so they picked this kid's name out of a hat or for whatever reason and used him as that vehicle. It's funny because there are people that actually think he's going to get sentenced to death, and that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He, he, well, what he state's like, he in? Pardon? What state's he in? I don't think it matters when it's a federal crime. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but, uh, you know, look at it. Uh, any, any country that can, that can kill their own president, you know, they can, they can pull off a variety of things. But what I think is going to happen is that this kid might get 10 years or something like that. Um, he'll sell, he, maybe he'll talk through his lawyer about who gave him the information, you know, or how we, how we, how we uh, obtained it. Um, and, and maybe they can figure out where it came from. Maybe, maybe it's a dead end. And, but, but they're going to have to either explain one of two things. Who gave it to him? Or why did he have access to it in the first place? In the first place, yeah. So if they can't explain either of those things, then I, I don't think he's going to get the death penalty. I, they're not going to kill this kid. You know, they, they haven't even killed Assange yet. And, and the stuff that he gave away was probably a lot more damning than, than this stuff. But um, let's, let's switch gears and talk uh, about Russian money which is everyone's favorite thing. So we remember, um, and those that watch the show and read Press Progress or read the Toronto Star or read the CBC, remember that you had um, you had two things going on. One is that you, you were one of the instruments when you were still an operative who um, was introducing uh, Russian money to provincial governments. And provincial governments all, you know, more than willing to, uh, to accept that this Russian money from, from Russians who were um, persona non gratas in this country at the time. One was in Ontario and the other one was in Alberta. Um, you say, uh, tell me, tell me what you told me off air. Um, so I don't mangle it, but, um, but you say that, that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, it should give the general public pause and they should ask themselves this question. Um, these stories broke. They were confirmed 100%. I mean, uh, Doug Ford's administration didn't even deny it. Uh, they couldn't. The communications were all solid. The evidence, Alberta, um, not a single intelligence operative has asked the question, or at least to me, um, did he just visit Ontario and Alberta? How many other provinces did he visit? How many other cities in the United States did he visit? Well, why don't you tell us, David? How many uh, places did you visit uh, with? So, so first of all, explain what the um, explain what the uh, approach is, and, and and what. So, so if you had like a plan on paper, uh, like a white paper, in order to introduce Russian money to different provinces or states or cities, um, give us an idea of what it would look like. Um, what what the, what the general um, operation would look like. Okay, I'll give you an example. Say you're a manufacturing plant uh, um, and you're, uh, this is a specific example that happens to be 100% true. During one of the breaks that I would periodically take, I, I took a job uh, working for an automotive uh, supply company, a big one, uh, very large internationally. And uh, I went from working on the shop floor to uh, management pretty quickly. And I, uh, Luckily enough, landed in the position where I got to uh, service all the customers. So I would drive to the United States, spend spend a couple of weeks and visit all around GM, Ford, whatever. Um, but for an example, say your company was going to Cleveland, Mississippi, just to name I might pull out of thin air. I'm sure there's some people in the FBI who remember this hmm. um, because the state's giving you a lot of money. Well, that was a really ideal situation to bring outside investors or partners in um, because you're already new in the community. Um, you can plug into the state really quick. And as an aside, while you're busy, uh, merrily busy stealing from the coffers of the state, well, um, you can identify those people pretty quickly through dinners and uh, hanging out at one of the two or three restaurants they had in the town and uh, 
you just play it by ear. You find uh, you cut the weak one out of the herd, and then you you hunt them down. Now, but is it? It's not necessarily like I mean. I guess it's different when you have um, when there's sanctions involved. But if there's no sanctions involved, it's not like illegal to take international investments from countries like Russia and China, is it? No, not at all. It's just the point where a lot of these guys get jammed up is they take the money and then uh, it's like a frog in a pot being boiled slowly. They're asked to do things that, you know, don't seem illegal. They're just, you know, slightly illegal or it's not really hurting anybody. And do you get to the position where you're stealing things like uh, proprietary uh, intellectual property or uh, God forbid, uh, manufacturing information, political information, um, defense, strategic information, but that's how they always get it. Money makes people stupid or sex or drugs or whatever the vice of choice is. Yeah, I don't think, um, I think I would probably fall victim to that. <laughs> I have so many vices to choose from <laughs> that if I ever held, held public office, it'd be like, oh, fuck, don't offer me anything. Um, no, but it, it, it always sort of struck me as a little bit um, convenient when... Like when, when when the Russia interference thing was being talked about when Trump was in office and before he even got to office. And then anytime you just, all you had to do if you were a mainstream media outlet, especially if you were like MSNBC or something, is just mention the word Russia. And then and then it would be like, oh, oh fuck. Uh, he, she said Russia. So that whoever she's talking about is guilty of something. So it became an interesting weapon, didn't it? For um, for certain circles to, to use against their political rivals. Sure did. And, and you were kind of like the, the, the trigger man, in a sense. Well, it's, uh, look, I mean, I always made it a rule. I didn't give a fuck about politics. I didn't get involved with the rats. I didn't care. But if it was about making introductions and coming in and putting some money in my pocket, whether that was through uh, my piece I'd cut off, if there was an investment or, or whatever, fine. But I, I knew the guys who crossed the line. I know the guys who crossed the line in this country, in the United States. I, uh, these are colleagues. These were people I did business with, and they're in business today. And you know, God bless them, because uh, they're still wailing away and packing it away for their retirement funds, I guess. Is there any, uh, should we look forward to any new revelations coming out in that arena uh, from you? Well, there's a few things coming. There was an interview in November of 2021 uh, with a CBC reporter in a hotel conference room in Alberta, where uh, a lot of things that are in the news today were laid out. And it's a very explosive tape. And that's what makes me laugh about the CBC. You see, they've been accused of, of being in Trudeau's pocket, yet they're sitting on a tape right now that would make any PR supporters seriously question the political viability of their, their horse of choice here. And they've sat on it because they don't want to be politically divisive in it. This is so explosive. They know it's a no win situation. That's a tape they, of you being interviewed by a CBC reporter. Yes. What's on the tape? What's on the tape. There's a lot about, uh, about uh, fearless opposition leader on the tape. There's uh there was a friend of mine who was removed from this country. He used to do a little work at the Russian embassy in Ottawa. He, uh, he was a, a funny tweeter. He would put some funny tweets up and he was, uh, he'd write the speeches, uh, uh, Kirill. He was tossed from this country, but, uh, you know, there were always rumors about Kirill and Pierre and, uh, yeah, let's see what the CBC, uh, does <laughs> next, but I got a feeling Pierre that you picked the wrong flower when you picked on that, uh, that little uh, tweet but hey maybe uh, maybe elon can uh, help you sing the blues when it's over can you give us a better idea of what's on the tape <laughs> i think that's up to the cbc i mean they did threaten to sue us if we kept talking so i think it's on them but i believe they threatened to sue who who did they threaten to sue richard 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 marsh because he was posting a few things oh okay the cbc but, but i have faith in the cbc this time you know what it's like you've got a lot of star power there, uh, a lot of good journalism that uh, unfortunately has been told what to write. Not all the time, but uh, they've certainly had their instincts blunted. Now, if they're going to be honest, they're going to admit it. But I think when the leash comes off, you're going to see that these people are journalists and they're going to show Pierre exactly what journalism can do. You know, it's funny about the CBC because I, I you know, 
people, um, and this again speaks to that whole left-right paradigm thing, but people who like the CBC have a real hard time criticizing them for big things. And people who hate the CBC have a real hard time giving them credit for anything. But you and I both know, and I want to be ambiguous about this deliberately because I know this person and, um, and I don't want to uh, give away anything who I'm talking about. So let's not even mention the province or anything, but there's a person that you and I both know who, um, she, uh, she went to court and she was a victim of a sexual assault and she was, um, tricked by her lawyers into requesting a publication ban, which she would then, uh, uh, and the CBC wanted, um, uh, they, they, uh, put in a freedom of information request and were, were denied because of the publication ban. But then the girl herself violated the publication ban. They took her to court. She was a rape victim. And they sued her for their legal fees. Yep. So before we start, like, waving pom-poms. For, Nobody's waving pom-poms. No, it's no, I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm just No, that's about, what I mean, but you just yeah. proved the point. That's vindictiveness. Of and course. the comments that Pierre did, I'm telling you. That vindictiveness is what's going to eat his ass at the end. Well, apparently, according to Anonymous, he wouldn't mind that. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> can talk about his uh, his uh, visits, his midnight trolling. I, I don't mean it's it's so weird because it, it feels like in I just mean he likes to fish. Well, it feels like in 2023, you know, uh, it should be that it's not even a story if you find out that a a politician um, might be gay. Who gives a fuck? I know. But, but that's the problem. They care because their money daddies, their big daddies would disown them or they might not get to heaven to go sit with the baby Jesus. So they got to pretend that they hate it and they got to punish those people who are just like them. It's not just like them because those people have courage. I think that they would find what they would find is that if they actually came out that they wouldn't lose those money men because those money men would just, they might be pissed off for a second. Their social conservative sensibilities might be challenged for a moment, but at the end of the day, they're their only horse. That's the only horse they have. So I think they would probably end up looking past it. John Baird, who is out, he's not closeted. He's a, he's a, he's a gay man who doesn't promote his gayness or anything like that, but everybody knows that he's gay survived politically until something happened overseas in the Middle East where he was allegedly caught on tape doing things that were kind of untoward, um, you know, in, in, in a video that we, you and I both know somebody who may or may not have possession <laughs> of this video. His political career would not be impacted if it wasn't for the video part of it. But when he was just a gay man who didn't promote his gayness, he was fine politically. He was a fucking cabinet minister, right? Like, I, I think these people uh, fear a little bit too much of the ramifications of might, what might happen. Do you agree? I, I think it's, it, it goes back to that uh, religious indoctrination. We're talking about a core inside. These are true believers in terms of uh, God, guns, and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. These guys... These guys are true believers. And, and Do people still say that. <laughs> and I really don't believe that they ever would have let Bard become the prime minister. I just don't. Baird, you mean? Baird, Baird, Bard, whatever the hell. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think they would have let him become prime minister. I don't think that he would have cleared that final hurdle. I just don't. I wonder how much of it is mischief um, for so sometimes. Like, they're, they're, I mean, let's just talk about it openly. Um, you know, there's been rumors that Justin Trudeau might be gay. Um, I actually happen to think, even though, and it's probably because he's a liberal, if he came out before the next election and had an amicable divorce with Sophie, I bet you he'd win in a landslide. Look, at the end of the day, I, I think if Trudeau was gay, I think the first thing, he, I, I don't think anybody, I, I don't think he'd care. I think he would, I don't see him, I don't see him as being this good of an actor, do you? I think people are jealous in that sense. I mean, listen to me, I, I, I'm not saying that he's a, 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 you know, I'm not taking his side or saying I'd vote for him or whatever, but women like this guy. There's a reason. And you can tell he reciprocates the attention. So, 
Well, I think, he, I think they like him because of his hair. Balls. They they like him because of his hair. David Wallace, the hair king of Canada. I so. think it breaks their balls that he can wear pink pants at a at a gay parade, and 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 the chicks are still all over him. And I think that it breaks their heart that uh, he could show up dressed as gay as a, a as a as a fucking cocktail weenie, and it wouldn't make any difference. And I think that pisses them off. You know, people talk about Trump being the Teflon you know, president, because everything sort of, and even before that, things just sort of slid off him for some reason. Justin Trudeau was caught in blackface and survived politically. So, I mean, let's give credit where credit is due. He's the Teflon prime minister, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's not like the public uh, has much else to choose from. I'm not, you know, it's, it's, it's a case of, uh, look at, look at the shit that has been launched through the conservative shoot, so to speak, uh, in the last decade. You're not exactly giving the public much to choose from here. Yeah. Um, Dan says, I met Trudeau. Um, and it was, uh, it was at a 2014 World Pride Church Service in Toronto. Just saying, I interviewed Justin Trudeau in 2012, in, in January 2012. And there's a picture of us with our cheeks, like, pressed solidly against one another. And um, we, uh, there's, I, ha- I don't know who's got the video. Uh, I guess my camera guy at the time or whatever. Um, where uh, our eyes happen to be exactly the same color. So, so we put our cheeks together and he was like, twins separated at birth. He said that. And I thought it was a little gay, but I was fine with it. <laughs> Look, I mean, at the end of the day, who gives a fuck? I mean, you know I what? Don't I don't care. care what you do in the bedroom. Like I said to you, I don't care if it's you and a goat. If the goat's okay with it. You know, I don't think a goat can it. consent, David. Well, look, at the end of the, what I'm saying is it doesn't matter. Who cares? I mean, I care. That poor goat. Oh, man, the fact that we're having a conversation about somebody's sexual orientation, having any influence on their ability to weed is ridiculous. I know. I agree. And it, it, it's just, you know, balance the fucking budget. Except for bisexuals, because really, like. But are they greedy? It's a little, it's a little so. greedy. Yeah. You know, like, I judge them more than I would judge a homosexual. Okay. Listen, let's end it there. Um, you, we're going to be, uh, we're, you're going to be on like once a week, probably until your uh, podcast, which was due to start last year. We'll finally start. We finally have your tech, I think, heading towards you, right? Like you, yep. you, you made that it. call today. Okay, we're good. Um, so listen, um, thank you for, for, for joining us today. Um, and listen, we're going to, we're going to talk a lot more about this stuff because we're going to break a lot of big stories that, uh, that you and I both know about um, in the next coming weeks. And it's going to be hilarious to see no media cover it and then cover it six months from now. It's going to be awesome. So David Wallace, David Wallace, the world champion of political dark arts. Thank you for joining us today on black Bold. I really appreciate it, buddy. All right, guys. So listen, um, I had a logo up there for those listening. I'm pointing at the screen that I have beside me. I have a new setup here. I I, I don't know if I'm happy with it. I just got out of a mental hospital. So I I kind of threw this together. I didn't want to go back to the, to the old, I wanted to sort of like, I saw the fold in the next chapter when I got out of the hospital. And then when I turned the page, I didn't want to use uh, what Dean Blundell describes as James's 1974 CBC background. Um, It does. It looks dilapidated. And, uh, and now I, I'm a bachelor now. I'm living on my own. Um, my wife and kids are living about five minutes away. So this is really brand new to me. Um, and I want to thank everybody for, 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 for tuning in. Again, it's been a month. And, uh, you know, I'm back in the saddle. And um, I'm really appreciative of everybody that's, uh, that's listening. And uh, I'm going to talk about uh, what I've gone through um, in, in, on, on Casual Friday. And uh, so I'm going to deal with it then. But what I'm really excited for, and I hope everybody is as excited as I am, <clears throat> excuse me, on Saturday at 6 p.m., uh, Saturday is April 22nd. It's Earth Day. Noam Chomsky is going to be joining us. Uh, it's the third time Noam Chomsky will be here. And I, I interviewed him the, the very first time uh, that I did a Black Bolt episode. Like I launched this show with a Noam Chomsky interview. And I'm really looking forward to it. We are going to talk solely about the environment, but we will, you know, uh, drift into politics and the military a little bit because uh, I found out a stat. I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the the stat is that the American military is more of a pollutant to this planet than most countries, like entire countries, which is absolutely insane if you think about it. 
the uh, the production of their armored vehicles is one of the big things. Their aircraft carriers, you know, their air force. If you add it all together, the accumulation of greenhouse gases, particulate matter that uh, that ends up in our atmosphere, and just general, uh, just being a general pollutant or a polluter, is is extraordinary. And so that's going to make us touch a little bit on things like Ukraine and and other topics like that. But I'm really looking forward to it. The dude is 94 years old. Um, he has requested that I have live captions enabled, but I don't think the software does that. So there is a slight chance if he if he totally insists on it, um, because you got to do what Noam Chomsky says, right? Um, if he totally insists on it, then it won't be a live show and I'll just air it later on at like eight o'clock or something like that. But um, it's, it's going to be a big show. I can't wait. Guys, leave in, uh, in the comments or send me an email. Hit the, hit the like button. Share this shit. Whatever the fuck people are supposed to say when you want other people to watch their, your show. Um, but yeah, so please join us on Earth Day, April 22nd with Noam Chomsky. But until then, we will see you next time on Black Bolt. Black Bolt. Black 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 Bolt. everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests the blue hotel hotline and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Begins Friday, September 23rd. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.